What's up, everybody, and welcome back. This is the Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, and let's go ahead and give me a huge round of applause. Let's, let's, let's hear it. Let's just hear it. Oh, my God, it has been a long time, at least where my memory serves me, to where we have recorded a show every single day of a week. Now, I'm not 100% accurate in this. Or I'm, I'm not 100% confident in this, I should say. Because we didn't do one... So we had the 6th through the 13th was one stretch. And then... I guess we... Well, no. One was a Friday. And then, yeah. This is the first time in about a... Little... About a month. If we're being honest here. Of where we recorded three shows in a row. Now, again, I did this very fast. I looked at it very quickly. I didn't do the math maybe correctly, so maybe I'm wrong here. But to my knowledge, this is the la the first time in a very well, very long time that we recorded three times in a week, and I'm very proud of myself, but also very disappointed in myself because, as you may know, our bets have been pretty awful this year. It's been pretty it's been a pretty rough going over the past few weeks. We started off really good in week two because that's when we actually started doing it. And then every week after that, sucked. Now, there were three weeks that I was sick, so I will blame solely, I will give sole responsibility of those picks sucking to that, okay? That's what we're going to base it on, nothing else. Not me having a bad pick. And this past week, we're going to blame it solely on Florida, even though it was one game. There is no reason that Florida should have not floored LSU on Saturday. And I've talked about that every single show this week because it pisses me off the more I even think about it. Miserable, miserable, miserable showing out of the Florida Gators on Saturday. And you know what? I don't know if Florida plays this week. We'll go over to college football games this week and talk about games that are about, that are happening this week and which games are going to pick. But Florida, if they didn't play this week, okay, they don't. They don't play this week. Thank the Lord. Because I have damned them to hell as I have the 16th through the 18th of October. Remember, we did that on Monday. Or no, Wednesday. We damned those places to hell. Florida is very close to being on that same track as those guys, along with the all-orange uniforms. Those are damned to hell as well. And I hope I never see them again, because every time I see them, I will be reminded of the time they couldn't beat the JVB team of LSU. That, that's it. A team that had averaged 80 yards a game on the ground. Very one-dimensional. Injuries all over the place on defense. Well, guess what? Florida turned the ball over four times passing, and LSU ran for over 300 yards against them with one dude running over 287 yards with three touchdowns. You can tell this has affected me. And also what has affected me, and this is the main reason we're bringing this up, Tom did not send me picks this week. So we can do a, one of two things here. He forgot or... The probably more correct one, he, we are on a bad stretch, and he dropped me. I don't know. I think that's probably it. <laughs> it's been a pretty bad run of games recently, so I do not blame him 100%. I, I asked him, He. I don't know if he was going to say it last week, because I asked him, you got picks for me? And he said, here they are. I don't know if he was going to do it if I didn't ask. And I don't blame him at all. <laughs> We've been pretty trash and pretty tragic at doing college football picks. My reasoning, I think, at times has been fine and justified, and then just some random BS happens, and the pick goes down the toilet. It's terrible. I don't know what it is. If the football gods just hate me, I know they hate me last week, and you know what? The football gods hate me this week because not only are the Hawkeyes, Bills, Panthers coming off massive losses, not necessarily the Bills, but massive loss and results of, remember, Josh Allen's no longer an MVP candidate. The Bills lost their starting left tackle. Like, it was all big losses all over the board. And now the Hawkeyes and the Bills don't have a chance to rectify that because they don't play. They're both on a bye week this week. You and I play. They play South Dakota State at South Dakota State, so that'll be a very fun game to watch. But, man, the Bills and Hawkeyes need games this week, or actually, you know what, it's probably best, to be 100% honest, that they don't play this week, because the Bills are coming off at a very emotional game, now they're not very injured right now, in regards to their entire roster, but Dawson Knox, 
he threw the touchdown pass to Josh Allen, and I don't know if we talked about this on Wednesday. Every single game, Josh Allen has caught a touchdown pass the Bills have lost. That's three times. Texans, Cardinals, and now the Titans. And all of them in a heartbreaking fashion. The Bills-Texans one was in the playoffs. Cardinals-Bills was the Hale-Murray play that I see stapled all over the frickin' place. I'm getting sick and tired of it. That stupid stat-that commercial sucks ass. Stat-that, stat-that commercial. And then now we've got the game where Josh Allen slipped and the defensive end, or defensive line for the Titans blew up the Bills' O-line and stuffed him on 4th and 1 with about 20, 14, whatever seconds left in the game. And we didn't mention this on Wednesday either, but I kind of forgot about the fact that Isaiah McKenzie returned a kick, kick return for a touchdown, and it got taken back from a holding call. And I'm still upset over the Derrick Henry 70-something yard touchdown because there was no holding call on Jordan Poyer. I don't remember what the receiver's name was, but he was number 15, I believe. I haven't watched it since Wednesday, so I'm kind of trying to eliminate that from my brain. I'm not saying it's an excuse. I, the Bills lost a very good game. Seven lead changes, one of the best Monday Night Football games in recent memory. I think it's the most lead changes a Monday Night Football game has had in the history of Monday Night Football, which is a pretty extensive history with a lot of great games, a lot of very memorable moments. But yeah, I guess in hindsight, or I guess in trying to get better this season, the Bills and the Hawkeyes could both use a bye week. <laughs> Hawks coming off a pretty, just to put it, as bluntly as possible, this weekend for the Iowa Hawkeyes was pretty embarrassing. They got sunned by David Bell. That There's no other way around it. David Bell absolutely had... <laughs> I, um, I want to know how graphic I'm going to be here. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Let's just say this. Uh, he took advantage of the Hawkeyes. The Hawks looked down, saw a quarter on the ground, their pants fell over, and you know what? David Bell was like, We'll take advantage of that, and that's exactly what happened. Riley Moss is hurt. Matt Hankins rep- apparently had an injury. I don't know if it was his ego or if he actually had an injury or something, but the Hawks were caught with their pants around their ankles, and Purdue took full advantage of that opportunity and embarrassed the then number two Iowa Hawkeyes. Though the scoreline doesn't really, I mean, 24 to 7, it's a double digit win. I don't think it really shows how bad the overall game was. Because 24 to 7, that's two touchdowns and a field goal, which is is quite a bit. But when you if you were just listening to the game like I was, or if you actually watched the game, or the unfortunate time to go to the actual game, they could have probably won by more. I think that's more of a testament to Iowa's defense that they lost by only 17 points, which is not <laughs> which is not great, and it's also a testament to how bad Iowa's offense is as well. Purdue's got some very good players on defense. I'm not taking anything away from Purdue. That was a very bad game for the Hawkeyes. They need a bye. And this remember, this was supposed to be the easy stretch of their schedule. This is where they were supposed to basically coast through. You had Purdue, and now you got freaking Wisconsin in Madison next week. So, yeah. I don't know if it's going to get any easier, even though you looked at the schedule, and on paper you go, oh, yeah, yeah this looks pretty easy. I mean, who does Iowa have in the reigning game? So they had Purdue, and you have a bad Wisconsin team, bad offensively Wisconsin team, a bad Northwestern team, Minnesota who just lost their second running back, Illinois, the Brett, fighting Brett Bielema's, and Nebraska. I know on paper you look at that and go, oh, that's easy undefeated season. Before We're talking about before the Purdue game. But this is Iowa we're dealing with here. This isn't a normal college football program here this is a program that always plays the love of their competition whether that's good or bad like I've seen Iowa kick the shit out of Ohio State I saw them beat Penn State not necessarily just this year but when Penn State was number two in the nation and Iowa was unranked with Andy Murray making the game-winning field goals in a, a sports bar in the hotel in Kansas City at a soccer tournament I saw them beat Michigan who just piss-pounded Rutgers 77 to nothing, and Iowa beat Rutgers 14 to 7, and you know what? Iowa went in and beat Michigan. But I've also seen Iowa lose to North Coast State, lose to Central Michigan, lose to Northern Illinois. Like, I've seen these games. These games happen all the time. So if you go to this game and were surprised that Iowa lost this game, don't be. I know in hindsight, I would definitely take this, this bet back, knowing what I, you know, 
grew up knowing and kind of just discarded because of the fact they pounded Maryland to a pulp. That was really my only reasoning there, was they beat the shit out of Maryland, and I thought that game was going to be tough. I was like, oh, that's not tough. I know that Purdue has always been kind of tough against Iowa. Didn't remember that they beat them last year, or like four of the last five years, (laughs) or three of the last four at that time. It ignored that. And Iowa did that again on Saturday, and bye week has come at a nice time. (laughs) And now you're going to Wisconsin, a rivalry game. Then you're going to Northwestern, a team that, until recently, you've pretty struck you struggled with very mightily. Then you have a Minnesota team, another rivalry game at home. You beat Minnesota the past few times you played them, if I my memory serves me correctly. Illinois, I mean I was has Iowa really ever had problems with Illinois? I mean knock it on wood here, but have they ever really had problems with Illinois? I mean, even when Juice Williams was there. I don't remember I don't I guess I can't think back that far. I don't even know if Iowa played Illinois when they had Juice Williams. I couldn't really tell you. And then Nebraska, a team you haven't lost to in freaking ever, but whose offense looks pretty good, and then saying that, they just lost to, to Minnesota. So I don't really know what to make of this game. <laughs> I don't know what to make of the rest of the season. Because preseason, my guess was like around 8-4, and 9-3. and three. It's usually my pessimistic guess around Iowa. That's usually what they go around. Top 25 team... Nothing spectacular, but they'll win you nine, eight, nine games. That's kind of what I expected at the beginning of the year. That's kind of what I'm expecting now. There's going to be, I, I refuse to believe, at least just knowing what I know about Iowa football throughout my, because remember, I was only, I've only been an Iowa fan for 21 years because I went to UNI, so I had to forfeit all of my fandom to Iowa, so I, you know, it, it, it were, it's, a, it's a bitch, but you know what? You got to do it because I chose UNI for their sports, not anything else. So... Yeah, I refuse to believe they're going to go 11-1. and one. I could be wrong completely, but this offense stinks. And we all know this. The defense is great. And the battle against Wisconsin, we might see like a 9-6 to six game or a 6-9 to nine game. <laughs> or a 7-10 game or something stupid like that because Wisconsin's offense kind of sucks ass as well. I remember Graham Mertz came onto the scene on that like Friday night football game, the first game of the year last year. I think it was against Illinois. I could be wrong. Looked really good. Ever since then, he's kind of sucked. Or been kind of below average. I don't know where I'd really place him on the suck tier list, but he hasn't been very good. Let's just put it like that. And that just seems to be a common theme with Wisconsin. I mean, they always have pretty bang average quarterbacks and then some good running backs. Now, I couldn't tell you who their running backs are this year, but that's usually how it goes. Okay, yeah, Graham Mertz sucks. Two touchdowns, seven picks. Like, even Spencer Peterson. <laughs> I didn't know what his touchdown to interception ratio was. But if we're doing the Patrick Mahomes thing here, oh, yeah, his receivers probably ran the wrong route. That, yeah, he ran the wrong route. Oh, it's the receiver dropped it. Oh, the receiver just couldn't jump that high. Oh, the receiver is too short, so you got to get taller. It's not None of it's his fault. That's why I'm going to use the same thing for Graham Mertz here. But yeah, you look at all the Wisconsin quarterbacks they've had. Scott Tolzien, uh, Joel Stavi, who was the other, who are uh, Jack Cohn more recently. I don't know what's going on with the whole Notre Dame quarterback situation. They have like three rotating quarterbacks. Jack Cohn usually starts and they bench him like in the first or second quarter. But yeah, they're pretty bang average quarterbacks. Graham Merch looked to be the guy that broke the mold and then it, uh, it didn't happen like that. Yeah, Iowa on a bye week, and the Bills for them. This is a game that before the season started, like we said Wednesday, is a game that you would have gone in and go, yeah, this is a team that they can lose to. At this point of the season, when I was doing my preseason predictions, I had them 4-2 at this point. But I had them losing the Chiefs and the Titans, not the Steelers and Titans. Because I thought the Chiefs, I think like most people, would think the Chiefs' defense wouldn't be as complete ass as what it was. I didn't think Patrick Mahomes would be second in the league in interceptions at this point. But I had him 4-2. So unlike the Iowa Hawkeyes who are coming off a terrible loss against, I mean, they're not a bad team. They're ranked in the top 25 now. But a decent Purdue team, I mean, they lost to Minnesota. So we can't talk about this as a great football team. And Iowa dropped, what, to 11? Which isn't great. The Bills are coming off a loss. Yes, against a team that lost to the Jets, but this is a team that's on offense, 
starting to get a little rhythm. Offensively, they got so many weapons. You got A.J. Brown, who got into the game a lot later than expected, didn't get a single pass in the first half. He's obviously coming off an hamstring injury. Julio Jones had hamstring problems. You still got Derrick Henry and the Bills. Until this season, have been pretty below average in regards to stopping the run, even though they've held Derrick Henry in check most of the time they played him. I know he had a bunch of yards against the Bills, but the 76-yard run, if they don't have that, which you have to count it, I know I'm playing like a weird devil's advocate thing. The Bills held him to like 60-something yards, which is fine. He still held him to just let him score two touchdowns. But you can't take away the 76-yard run, but that's what we're going to do because it makes my team look better. And it was a good game. It wasn't like they got absolutely destroyed. I felt worse about the Steelers game after that than the Titans game. I was upset for about an hour after the Bills-Titans game. And I think there was more of my friends. I got two friends that had par at least one of my friends I know had a parlay. And all the other games won. He just needed the Bills to cover by six, and they lost. That didn't cover. He was cheering super hard for the Bills to kick a field goal and then get the ball first and score a touchdown right away. That's what he was cheering for. And then another person just tweeted at me and said he lost a lot of money on the Bills game. So I think those guys took the loss a little bit harder than I did because I had no financial burden on the games. So I felt pretty fine. <laughs> oh, man. Losing by three is tough. I, I mean, it's better than last year. They got beat like 45-17 or something last year. Derrick Henry stiff-armed Josh Norman to hell. So I don't even know where Josh Norman is anymore. Maybe he's down in hell because he's still got... Stiff-armed to hell. Remember we said that? But yeah, I feel more confident about the Bills' loss than the Hawkeyes' loss. And similarly to both teams, they both got a bye week at the same time. And both schedules towards the latter parts of the season are not particularly that tough. On paper, anyways. The Bills have, I believe, the easiest schedule left in the NFL. I could be completely wrong, but I think they do in regards to record-wise. Their next games, they play the Dolphins, a team that Josh Allen has owned since being in the NFL, you saw that week two when they beat the Dolphins 35-0. Then you got the Jaguars coming off a big win against the Dolphins in Jacksonville. So it might be a tough atmosphere down there. Probably 100 fans there. Then at the Jets, Robert Sala comparing Josh Allen to Zach Wilson. Remember, he talked about that. The Colts, a team the Bills have beaten not only in the playoff game, but they would disregard the Derrick Anderson game. We're going to eliminate that because it helps my point better. And then the year before that, they beat them in the snow game. And then you got the Saints, which could be an interesting game. I think that's on that's on Thanksgiving this year, I believe, on NBC. That'll be a fun one down in New Orleans. Then they play the Pats. Then you play the Bucks, which will be tough. The Panthers might be tough. Depends on if Christian McCaffrey's there or not. Then the Patriots, Falcons, and Jets to finish off the season. I think the Bills can come out of this. With one more loss, I think at most, or at least, I guess. I don't know if they go, I don't know if they run through the end of the season undefeated. I don't see that because the games they have on the road are relatively tough. Like the Saints, they're really wishy washy, but that's going to be a tough place to play, especially on Thanksgiving. But they've won a Thanksgiving Day game before. I was there, the Cowboys game. The Bucks is going to be really tough. Tom Brady's 32 and 3 against the Bills until the Texans game this year when the Bills won 40 to nothing. Tom Brady, and this is how depressing this stuff is regarding Tom Brady. Tom Brady had more wins at the Bills stadium since he's been the starter of the Patriots than any Bills quarterback in that time frame. Tom Brady had 17 wins in the Bills stadium in like 18 years. Or no, 16 wins at the Bills stadium in 18 years. Josh Allen just got win 17. <laughs> so now that's over. Tom Brady's 32-3 and against the Bills. People talked about Aaron Rodgers saying he owned the Bears. Uh, 25 and 5 is fine, but 32 and 3 is a whole lot more depressing than 25 to 5. <laughs> and the Bills have been a lot worse over these past 20 or so years than the Bears have. The Bears have at least had the chance to go to a Super Bowl. They've gone to an NFC Championship game. Two of them. Now the Bears are a little more frustrating, at least recently, because I think the Bills' peak of this 20 year run has been higher than the Bears run in here. I think the Bears obviously had a better defense. Or not obviously, but like Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, Patrick Tillman, like some great players on defense. But yeah, the, it's it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> and I I want the Bills and pay, pa, Buccaneers to play each other in the Super Bowl to end so the Bills can win and end 20 years of suffering at the hands of Tom Brady 
or it could just double down or quadruple or a hundred times make it worse, make it a hundred times worse because you Tom Brady just beat the Bills not only in the regular season 32 times, but in the Super Bowl. His second Super Bowl in a row, and the Bills keeping it, them out of their first Super Bowl and being the first team in NFL history to lose five and not win any. That is depressing. So you've got a, an ultimate high here, but then the lowest of low as well. Like, we're joining Josh Norman when we're <laughs> if the Buccaneers beat the Bills, if this hypothetical scenario does happen, Tom Brady beats the Bills in the Super Bowl, and the Bills go to 0-5. <laughs> It's Super Bowl history because them and the Vikings are both 0-4. Bills obviously did it in a row. Vikings did it over about 10, 12-year stretch. Huh. And I, the the perfect dream here is the Bills and Vikings playing each other in the Super Bowl. So the last time these two teams played, obviously, was Josh Allen's most famous hurdle, the one over Anthony Barr. And I was at both hurdle games, the Vikings game and the Chiefs game recently. The Vikings game was a lot more fun because we went into that game with people coming all around us. And going, man, you guys ready for this game today? It's going to be awesome. The Bills are 14 or 14 and a half point favorite, or underdogs in this game. The Vikings are 14, 14 and a half point favorites in this game. And we're like, yeah, we're just here to have a good time. It's going to be fun. I mean, just watch some football, watch Josh Allen play in his second career start against a Vikings defense that at that time was actually kind of feared. <laughs> Not anymore. That might have been the straw that broke the camel's back because I don't think ever since that game, Vikings have been really the same. <laughs> Because now they're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. But that game was just beautiful because the entire time was just confusion. <laughs> the entire game. Didn't know anything that was going on. It just happened. Vikings couldn't do anything. And the Bills did whatever they wanted. Chris Ivory had like 80-something yards receiving that game. That's how, to, that's how bad the Bills were in this game. And we saw that. It was live. It was right there. It was beautiful. And me and a few friends are actually, speaking of the Vikings, are actually going to go up to a Vikings game on Sunday Night Football and Halloween. So that'll be pretty trill. Be pretty freaking cool. See the Cowboys take on the Vikings. I could care less. Me and one of my other friends that are going are not Vikings fans. Two of them are Vikings fans. But I love going to football games. This will be my second game, I think. Third game that I've been to a game where I had no allegiances to either side. Because I went to UNI Iowa State before I went to UNI, before I was a massive UNI Panther fan. And then I went to Iowa State. No, I went my first game that didn't I didn't have anybody involved was Iowa State Texas A&M when Ryan Tannehill was there. But he wasn't the quarterback. It was Gerard Johnson was the starting quarterback for A&M. That's like six foot six, six seven, two hundred sixty pound quarterback, freaking monster. And Iowa State was going through the process of trying to find their identity. Pretty much, they stole USC's uniforms. Remember that. And I don't remember who won. I think Iowa State won. Tannehill was a wide receiver at the time. I think Iowa State won. But I'm not confident saying that either. Austin Arnada was the quarterback for Iowa State. Zach Geyer was the kicker with Grant Mahoney. and I, Zach Geyer went to my high school, and then he was our kicker coach when I was in high school. And then we went to the UNI-Iowa State game of the day. David Johnson ran ragged all over Iowa State's defense, scored like three or four touchdowns. Sawyer Cole Morgan was the quarterback. I, I guess I went to another Iowa State Iowa game, Iowa State UNI game. Aaron Bailey, I believe, was the quarterback rotated within with Sawyer Cole Morgan, and Iowa State beat them pretty good. And then we are now going to the Vikings Cowboys game. So I guess technically four. If I think of another one, I will let you know. But this is four, and I'm excited. Sunday Night Football. And the best part about this game is, you want to know what it is? There is a zero percent chance of a rain delay or lightning delay, or anything, because we're in a freaking, I don't know if you want to call it a dome, we're in an enclosed stadium, I guess, I get, hey, the Chargers game, or the, yeah, Raiders Chargers game, a few weeks ago, had a lightning delay, there at SoFi Stadium's a dome, but I guess the outer, the upper stands are like, they have a wind, an opening or something, so the fans could get struck by lightning through the, however tall, window that they have up there I guess the Vikings technically do have doors like that or is that just the Colts so I know the Colts do but did the Vikings have that as well I'm not sure I can't remember because I remember just sweating my ass off because that glass roof gets toasty good lord it gets toasty underneath that especially when you're behind the fans and when you're just not knowing unaware of what's going on with the Bills killing the Vikings 
But yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Sunday Night Football was a lot of fun. And going with a few friends would be different than going with my dad and my sister and her boyfriend. But you know what? I'm excited. Because whoever wins... Now, I'm, I would never cheer for the Cowboys. I don't like the Vikings at all. But I would rather cheer for that. I'm not going to cheer. I'm going to wear my Fireball Eagle sweatshirt. My Josh Allen sweatshirt. I'll wear a UNI sweatshirt. I don't know. It depends on what I'm doing. But I'll wear a Bills hat. Because the Bills are playing the Dolphins that day. So I'm not really too asked about that. Knock on wood. Just in case. Because <laughs> you never know. Even though Josh Allen's had his fun with the Miami Dolphins. But you never know. But you never know. And I'm thankful, again, that we have... Now, looking back at it, I'm thankful the Hawks and the Bills have bye weeks. Goodness gracious. But for you and I, playing South Dakota State, it's a tough game. South Dakota State has always been a really tough team for you and I. And they last year, or I, last year, I guess earlier this year, they had the spring season and you and I lost by last second touchdown at the Unidome. Very frustrating game. Does it really, does it register when I put 25-2020 in here? I guess it does. Like you told in the 2020 season, it goes back to <laughs> the game was in February. These teams played each other earlier this year. <laughs> that is stupid. But South Dakota State, they're coming off a very impressive start to the season. They're five and one. Their only loss came to Southern Illinois in overtime. They lost 41 to 42, and a Southern Illinois team that is not too shabby themselves, if I'm not mistaken. A six and one on the season. Their lone loss. Coming at Kansas State, where they lost by only seven points or eight points, my bad, thirty-one to twenty-three. They've had some close games. Every single game has pretty much been a one-score game. Like when you got the conference play, like you got West Illinois was one point, South Dakota State was one point, North Dakota was three points. Like you beat two top twenty-five teams, and that's pretty impressive. One of them being on the road, and then your next game is against Northern Iowa. So South Dakota State or. So- Southern Illinois will be watching this game intently to see how this game goes regards to the UNI versus South Dakota game, South Dakota State game. Now, South Dakota State's kind of weird when it comes to their quarterbacks. They've rotated quarterbacks quite a bit. Chris Oldicon is the quarterback for South Dakota State this season. But last year, in the previous season, you had Jabori Gibbs at quarterback. Who was the guy that played against UNI last year? It sounded like Mark Gronowski. Mark Gronowski was the quarterback that played against UNI last year. And then you had Keaton Heidi was the quarterback two years ago when Jabori Gibbs got hurt, I believe, against Minnesota. The first game of the season of the year, Minnesota went almost undefeated and lost to Iowa. Jabori Gibbs was a starter. He gets hurt. Keaton Heidi comes in. And then before the spring season, both Jabori Gibbs and Keaton Heidi get hurt in practice. So then you have to watch Mark Kronowski who played pretty well, and he started in the freaking national championship game, which South Dakota State lost to Sam Houston State. And now we're at Chris Oldicott, who is a graduate student from Tampa, who played at Samford last. I don't know much about this guy. Six foot two, 195. Chris brings starting quarterback experience to two different college programs after transferring to South Dakota State over the summer. Began collegiate career at South Florida, where he started two games. And then he went to Samford, Blue Gray All-America game. Hey, you know what? I was, you know what, that I was invited to play in the Blue-Gray Blue, Air, Blue Gray All-American game. Or not the All-American game. I was invited to try out for the Blue Amer- Blue-Gray All-American game. And we had the camp down at, I believe it was South Southwestern Missouri State, the Griffins. The Chiefs practice, or um, what do you call it, OTAs used to be there. Really nice facility. They're a D2 school. They're the Griffins, yellow and black. Can't remember what they were called. Somewhere in Missouri. And at that camp, it was about 30... 40 quarterbacks there, and they rated me third, so I was feeling pretty good about myself going in. I got invited to the regional combine, so that was like the the combine for the combine, essentially, so like trimmed it in half. Then they had these four locations. One was in Dallas, one was in LA, one was in Jacksonville, and then one was in Canton, and we went to Canton. Go to the, You got a free ticket to the Hall of Fame. It was freaking awesome. You had a whole ceremony. They would introduce you, give you these, like, tank top jersey things that was like your number and all that way better than the one that you had the first one which is red with blue lettering this one was like gray with texture on it was sick I wore that jersey I guess you could call it a jersey underneath my practice stuff at William Penn every day that was always my practice shirt and that camp I did not do so well so long story short I did not get to play in the blue gray all-american bowl but I hold my head high after going to the combine 
Or wait, no. Regional Combine was first. National Combine was second. I went to the National Combine after the Regional Combine. And I felt really good going into the National. And then, uh, I don't know if you call it tanked your draft stock. <laughs> but did not did not do well. But that's cool. We would have might have been friends. I don't know how old he is, though. Began his college career at... Uh, well, it doesn't say when he started at South Dakota... Or, uh, South Florida, so I don't really know. But this season, he's completed a high percentage of his passes. He's thrown quite. He's thrown 14 touchdowns this season. Does it say his interceptions? Only two interceptions, and both came against Southern Illinois. Yeah, this dude looks pretty good. From just looking at his stats, I haven't watched him a single game this year, so I'm not going to pretend I did, but stats look fine. Stats look really good. 14 touchdowns, two picks, 1,200 yards, almost 1,300 yards. Doesn't run the ball... That well, from what it looks like, he only has 19 carries on the season with 54 yards, which is all right. 30 of those came against Indiana State with one touchdown, which came against Colorado State. And he also has a receiving touchdown in there as well that he got against Indiana State. But for you and I, this was big. You're coming off a very rough loss to North Dakota State, one of your biggest rivals, and got beat pretty good. All right, no, I'm compl- I'm just skipped a game. I kind of just eliminated the South Dakota game from my memory banks. 34-21, you're coming off a very l- rough loss. And I, that loss little different to what Iowa's loss was, even though they got beat really good. I mean, 31, 34 to 21 is not a very great scoreline for you and I, losing by 13. But they handed South Dakota State 21, or South Dakota 21 points. Like, they turned the ball over two times in their own territory, and they had a punt that the punter just dropped and then got it to the 20-yard line and got returned to the 13-yard line. Like, it, they did not start the game particularly well. But they started to get in a little groove later, but it, it was a little too late. And you and I ended up losing the game. I mean, South Dakota State, South Dakota didn't need to really do anything. I mean, they took advantage of you and I's mistakes, and that's what you have to do to win games like this. And they did. But this game at South Dakota State, that's that's rough. But the game will be at 2 o'clock Central Time on ESPN3 if you do want to watch it. I would recommend it because this could be a very fun game. This is a rivalry game. When I interviewed Will McElvain, the former you and I starting quarterback, he said that South Dakota State was his least favorite team. He said that the team he hated the most, the team he hated playing against the most because of the people that were there, was South Dakota State. You can go watch the interview on YouTube if you really want to. Just search Logan Blackman Show, Will McIlvain, and it should pop up. And I want, I'm curious where Will's transferring to because he's not on the roster anymore. Uh, the backup quarterback, I believe, was a JUCO transfer. I got to go through the roster real quick because I don't remember who it was. He, I guess he's still technically listed on the roster, but he wasn't in uniform at the game from what I heard. Was it Aiden? No. Let's see if we can find this quarterback. Wasn't Fomby. He played last year. Was it Nate Martins? He's been there for a while. Not Cade Lock Kale Locker. Was it Matt Morrissey? No, not him. I guess I don't know who the other quarterback is. I saw it on Twitter because again we were listening to it on the radio, but Theo Day is the starter. And that seems to be a foregone conclusion that he's going to be the starter for the rest of his time at UNI because he's very good, or perceived to be very good. He didn't play great last week, played better as the game went on, as we said, but the passing game looks a lot more lively with him in as the starting quarterback. But for other games, if you're not wanting to watch the UNI Panthers take on South Dakota State, I would really much, very much recommend you do that. But if you, for some reason, don't, you've got a lot of very good top 25 matchups this week. I say very good. I haven't looked at them yet. So I should be saying that now because I, they might be ass if we're being honest here. They might just be complete and total ass. So without the picks that Tom is providing me, we are going to do this on our own free will. No bets whatsoever. (laughs) You don't have to listen to me at all. Do not do that, because <laughs> it hasn't worked so far this season. So right now, we are going to go into this season, this week, free of charge, okay? Looking good, all right? Right now, it's halftime of Thursday Night Football for the N- N- uh, not NFL. We got, we'll talk about that in a little bit. For college football, SMU has unsurprisingly beat Tulane 31-7, which that is more of an indictment on Spencer Rattler than anything, than him just getting benched, is that they looked bad against a one-win Tulane team that's gotten ass-pounded by Ole Miss, not surprising, East Carolina, Houston, and now SMU and Oklahoma beat them by five at home with Rattler throwing more interceptions than touchdowns. I think that's more of an indictment on him than anything for how bad they played against <laughs> Tulane. A one-in-five Tulane team was only winning against Morgan State. Last night, on Wednesday, 
Appalachian State upset Coastal Carolina. So that was pretty cool. Chase Bryce was the quarterback for Appy State. He was formerly at Clemson, then transferred to Duke. And that Duke thing didn't really work out. And so he's at Appy State and beating top 25 teams. Their first top 25 win since they beat Michigan. One of the greatest games of all time. That was awesome. Now they're really they're still really good, but they're just not going to get in the national championships like they were at that time when they were in the FCS. But other games going on on Saturday, we have Cincinnati taking on Navy. Cincinnati's a 28-point favorite in this game. I mean, with the way Cincinnati's been playing these past few weeks, like you look how they beat up UCF, they beat up Temple. Every game they've won this season has been by double digits. Every single one. And Navy is 1-5. Their one win comes against a UCF team that Cincinnati took to the sword. But their past few weeks... They've looked better. If you discount their first two weeks of the season, every single game has been around. I mean, they lost to Memphis pretty handily, but their games have been around a score. But Cincinnati's a different animal. Cincinnati's the second best team in the country. They have a better defense than any team's Navy's played. They have a better offense than any team's Navy's played. They have a better quarterback than any team that Navy has played. Like, everything is pointing to Cincinnati. You look at how many, like, look at this. Cincinnati's averaging about 44 points a game. Navy allows 33 <laughs> and scores 17, around 18. And then you have Cincinnati allowing 14 points a game. Like, this shouldn't, it shouldn't be close. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like the Temple game where we had an absolute abomination of a game, like 56-0 to zero or something. The thing that would be in Navy's favor is the fact they can run the ball. That's pretty much their saving grace here, is the fact that they can run the ball like the other schools we've mentioned in the past, like Army and Air Force, they can do that really well. And hopefully for them, they can keep the ball out of Cincinnati's hands. Like against Memphis, they had an 11-minute, almost 12-minute long drive. So if they can do that, which is not likely because it's Cincinnati and not Memphis, who has one of the worst defenses of college football and has had one of the worst defenses of college football for like the past five years. So that's not that shouldn't be too surprising that Memphis is giving up 12-minute long drives. And I lost my toy I was playing with. <laughs> when you're hosting these things, you sit here for a long period of time, you kind of fidget with your hands. I've got one of those dongle things. It's thing I could plug into my computer that has a, a USB port in it. So I... I kind of just toss this around when I'm talking so my hands stay, do something. Then we got Oklahoma-Kansas, 38.5. Yeah, I mean, similar thing. I don't think Kansas, Kansas, Kansas. I think Oklahoma's a lot better with Caleb Williams. Kansas beat South Dakota. It was like their first win in forever. They got beat down by Baylor by 35, or 38 points. They got beat down by Iowa State by freaking 52 I don't think Oklahoma should really have any issues here. I don't like the spread, 38.5. That is a massive line. But if you look at how well they played offensively against TCU last week, I know they gave up 31 points. Kansas shouldn't have that issue against Oklahoma. I think Iowa State's defense is a lot better than Oklahoma's defense. I don't really think that's that's saying a lot. I mean, pretty obvious at this point. But... I don't know. That one kind of third that that anything over 30 scares me. Really does. But they should. They should. I it should be like a 60 something to 7 game or something. Next one, Michigan Northwestern, 23 and a half. Michigan is favored in this game. I'm not saying Michigan won't win the game. They probably will. And Northwestern can't really do anything <laughs> defensively. Give up 410 yards a game. Not great. Michigan is a very very very, or not very, 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 maybe very, very one-dimensional team. They run the ball a lot. They have two really good running backs, Blake Corum being the main guy this year. But then you've also got on the roster, go along with Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins, who has been rotating with Corum at times. But Haskins got more carries by four, but Corum has a lot more yards. And average, I mean, by that fact, he has less carries and more yards. That means he averages more. They both have eight touchdowns on the season. Cade McNamara has not really had to do anything this season from the quarterback position, just not turn the ball over pretty much. But you saw against Wisconsin, a team that had the number one rated rush defense in college football, Michigan played well and beat Wisconsin by double digits. Northwestern stinks. Like, stinks a lot. They're very bad. They beat Rutgers the week before. They lost by freaking 40 something to Northwest or 49 to Nebraska. Like, do I think that Michigan should have any issues here with Northwestern? No, but based off these last few weeks, they probably will. Now, just for fun, just for shits and giggles, pretty much, 
Let's look at the last time these two teams had the good graces of playing each other. That could be a long, a long time ago. Last time they played, it was 20-17. That was the year Michigan went 10-3. and Beat Penn State 42-7, but beat Northwestern 20-17. But this was also a year Northwestern. Well, Northwestern was 1-3 at the time, so maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really think Michigan should have a problem here, but maybe they do. Northwestern can't seem to stop anybody, and Michigan's run game has been pretty much unstoppable all season. There's some big spreads that I don't really like this week. Then you got Illinois and Penn State. Uh, 23-point spread here. Illinois stinks. I think everybody knows that. Their two wins are against two barely FBS barely FBS teams, Charlotte and Nebraska. So, like, do you really take a lot out of those two wins? I don't know. They almost beat Purdue, a team that ass-pounded Iowa, so maybe there's something there. <laughs> they lost to Virginia pretty bad. They almost beat Maryland. Penn State coming off a bye. Just lost to Iowa. Has looked good this season so far. Every game, apart from two, a discount like win-wise, has been decided by double digits. You look at Ball State, Villanova, Indiana. I mean, they're not really great teams, so I'm not really surprised, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know why I even said that. Because they've won five games, and three of them have been decided by double digits. Oh, my God. <laughs> ah, man, but Illinois stinks. Illinois is very bad. They average tw- giving up 429 yards on offense. They can't really do anything themselves on offense. You know, the great, late, great Sean Clifford who died against Iowa. So we'll see if he comes back because if he, if Penn State loses this game, oh, man, I don't want to see what happens. Oh, it could be terrible. If Sean Clifford plays against Illinois and they lose, that'd be really funny. But just off that, I'd like to take Illinois, but I, I don't know. These spreads are huge. I don't like these spreads. Wake Forest and Army, three-point spread at West Point. Army, we talked about coming off a loss against Wisconsin, a game they were fa- underdogs by 13.5 or 14. They lost by six. Similar thing goes against Wake Forest as well. Where you go against a team that doesn't know really how to defend against the spread, or against the spread, against the, the triple option. And you look at Wake Forest this season, they give up 410 yards a game. Army gives up 281. They might have a lot of yards offensively, 441, but it's going to be hard to stop. I don't know if Army wins, but three points. This is weird. I don't like this. Wake Forest has become, come very close to losing some games recently. <laughs> you look at the Syracuse game last week or two weeks ago, and then you look at the game against Louisville, both decided by a field goal. So I'm going to take Army to cover three. So there's our first underdog we have taken officially. Next one, we got Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Uh, uh, this one's weird. This Oklahoma State is a bigger underdog to Iowa State than Army is to wait. I, Army's a three-point underdog to Wake Forest, and Iowa State's a seven-point favorite against Oklahoma State. Exact same records. Army four and two, Iowa State four and two. Wake Forest six and zero, Oklahoma State four, six and zero. But Wake Forest is favored. Oklahoma State's at seven. Now I know they're don't. I'm I'm just trying to have fun. Just trying to have fun. Don't come for my neck like that. I understand that Iowa State is better than Army. I understand that. I'm just trying to have a little fun. Just chill out, man. I but Oklahoma State, even on ESPN's thing, it's 21.8% chance to win this game. I think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be a very fun game. Spencer Sanders have a pretty difficult-ish year. They run the ball well, like they always have. They're always a very run first, run heavy team. Iowa State coming off a very impressive win against Kansas State, very impressive win against Kansas, but a rough loss against Baylor. I don't know, it was three weeks ago. It doesn't really matter at this point. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, but I, this will be a fun one. Oklahoma State's a good team. This will put Iowa State back in the top 25 fairly easily. I mean, Oklahoma State's a top 10 team. Iowa State beats them. They're 5-2. and two. They're going to go back in the top 25. It's pretty easy to understand that. But that's a tough one. I'm not going to say who wins that one because I think that could be a very close game. Iowa State... Obviously, famously beat number two Oklahoma State. I think they're coming up on like the 10-year anniversary or something like that. Like this week or maybe this weekend, which is kind of crazy to think about. So with that, the football gods might be on Iowa State's side. Or maybe they just feel so bad for Oklahoma State, they go, okay, now we're on your side this time. And the game we skipped, Wisconsin-Purdue. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've lost all confidence in picking games now. This is terrible. Tom dropped me. 
I'm gonna become a raging alcoholic. I made him. I made him go broke. No, I, I didn't. I caught. I well, the bet. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of. I I feel bad at times, so I kind of stay away from that. <laughs> but this game should be fun. Purdue's coming off a, again a massive win against Iowa. Wisconsin plays Iowa next week. So this is like the grudge match. Who's the best team out of these three? Wisconsin, Purdue, and Iowa. I don't know why it's a weird rivalry series, but that's what we're dealing with. We got Purdue, Iowa. Purdue wins. Purdue, Wisconsin. Say Wisconsin wins. Iowa beats Wisconsin the next week. Then we don't know what the hell was this rivalry even for. Okay? But if Purdue beats Iowa, which they did, and Purdue beats Wisconsin, then it's over. And Wisconsin beats Iowa, Iowa's the worst team out of the three. A lot riding on this game for Wisconsin because they have the tiebreaker. If they beat Purdue and then beat Iowa, that means they win the trophy. So that's pretty impressive they ended up end up doing that. Yeah, like we said, though, Wisconsin's got a very good defense. Offensively, pretty much non-existent. Purdue's very one-dimensional, but I didn't stop him last week. Aiden O'Connell threw the ball all over the field against Iowa. That's probably the most depressing part of the game is that Aiden O'Connell was the one that shoved the knife through Iowa's heart. <laughs> that was the orchestrated the win. That is depressing <laughs> that Aiden O'Connell was allowed to do that. We already knew David Bell was going to be very good. Talked about that the week before. Talked about that preseason. Everybody knew David Bell was going to be a good wide receiver this year. But Purdue's defense ain't that bad either. It's not that bad. Under 300 yards a game given up on defense. It's not that bad. This will be a very fun game. I think Wisconsin's offense is trash. So we might be looking at a Purdue win here. Purdue's got some very nice players on defense, namely George Clarfus, like we talked about against Iowa. I don't know. I, uh, Purdue has more names, I would say, than Wisconsin which is kind of surprising, but I think more people know of David Bell and George Clarftis than people that are in Wisconsin, apart from Graham Mertz being bad. I don't know if he starts, because I, I didn't know who was going to start the game against Iowa, and it, Aiden O'Connell got announced to start like the day or the day of the game. So I don't know. I don't know. And the next one we got on here, Oregon-UCLA. UCLA is a one-point favorite, which based off Oregon's recent performances against Stanford and Cal, that's not very surprising. That being said... Though UCLA is favored, Oregon's got a 53% chance to win, according to ESPN and the matchup predictor. This will be a fun one. I, this will be a very, very, very fun game. I'm very excited for this. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, one of my favorite quarterbacks in college football, has been for a time now. And now he's playing like a quarterback that could actually get drafted, which is something that was kind of on the outskirts a little bit, but something that is getting talked about more. I'm not saying he's going to be a first-rounder. I'm not saying that at all. But he can get drafted, which was a question mark previously. So, yeah, and they're coming off some big wins against Arizona and Washington. Two not great teams, two teams Oregon. Display, at least they displaced Arizona. I guess I don't know if they played Washington or not. They have not. They play them in two weeks. They play them on November 6th. But they displaced Arizona a lot easier than what UCLA did. UCLA ran the ball all over Arizona. But the game was a little bit easier for Oregon. At least it felt like even though there was a touchdown and three points separating the scores of the two teams. This will be fun. That's all I'm going to say. This will be very fun. Two very even offenses. When you talk about their entire offenses, both UCLA and Oregon like to run the ball a lot, and they're decent throwing the ball. If I'm going off this, I'd probably just take UCLA just because I like their quarterback more, and that's sometimes what you got to do. Whoever ever got the better quarterback, take them. I also think Zach Charbonnet is the better running back here. So I'm going to take UCLA in this game. I'm going to. Am I confident in it? I don't know. They didn't have a great showing against Arizona State, but Arizona State just got beat. I don't I don't know. It's going to be rough. It's going to be a tough game. And that game's at a normal time, too, 2.30. You don't have to wait till 9.30 to watch a Pac-12 game. You can actually stay up and watch, at a normal time and watch Pac-12 football. Very exciting stuff. Then we got LSU Ole Miss. Okay. If Florida was favored by 10.5, I guess the fact is we don't know if Matt Corral's playing or not. I was going to say, Ole Miss is favored by less than Florida was, and Ole Miss is a lot better than Florida is. I don't know if Matt Crowell is playing. I haven't heard anything if he is or not. I'm scrolling on Twitter real quick. I don't know. Everything I'm seeing on Twitter right now is just basically Matt Crowell's the best QB in college football. That's pretty much all I'm seeing. I don't know if he's playing. Is Does that have something to do with the spread? I'm not really sure because I, I would assume it does. Because I think if he was guaranteed to play, the spread would be a lot larger than nine points with how banged up LSU's defense is. 
But then again, Ole Miss's defense ain't nothing special either. Their, their defense is a lot worse than Florida's, and LSU put up 49 points against Florida. Like, Ole Miss, they give up 436 yards a game. The fact that they average over 550 yards of offense is the reason why they're 5-1 right now. They had a tough game against Tennessee on the road. This one's at home. Do we know of Matt Krause playing? That's the main cog here. LSU's, geez, I'm just looking at LSU stats. LSU's rush offense went from 80 yards a game or around that to 117 yards a game off one game. That's how dominant they were against Florida. It's ridiculous. But I think Ole Miss is better than Kentucky and Auburn. So I would expect Ole Miss to win two teams that LSU's lost to this year. I think they're also better than UCLA, another team that LSU's lost to this year. But yeah, I don't know if Matt Crawl's playing. I know that got talked about, but I haven't really heard anything about it since it first got announced. Quarterback plan if Matt Corral's out. That's all I'm seeing. Don't fault Lane Kiffin. What is going on? They're not. I'm not seeing anything on if this is actually happening or not. Whatever. I think that might change it a little bit. I think Ole Miss still has enough to beat LSU in this game, but Matt Corral being healthy is very big to regards to how much they can beat LSU by. Next game is Pitt and Clemson. I'm taking Pitt. I'm not even thinking twice about it. Pitt has made some teams that other ACC schools, bigger ACC schools, have struggled with, like North Carolina and Clemson, namely, against Virginia Tech, a team that North Carolina famously struggled with week one. They made Georgia Tech look like garbage. Two teams, a team that Clemson barely beat by like six points, and then North Carolina got beat by like 20 points against. Now, they did randomly lose to Western Michigan, which makes no sense to me at all. But they did. That happened. But Clemson's offense is garbage. We talked about how bad it was last week against Syracuse. They're terrible. You know, I was that was one of the least surprising things that I saw was Syracuse covering against against Clemson. And you want to talk about Clemson's defense? Well, Pitt's defense is right up there with them as well. Pitt's defense gives up five more yards a game on average than Clemson's. Clemson's defense gives up three hundred fourteen or thereabout. Or we're doing rounding up here. It's only, yeah, it's only four yards a game because it would be 315 yards a game to 319. And Clemson's offense doesn't do anything. Pitt's defense averages 211 more yards a game more than Clemson's. It's at Pitt, not saying Heinz Field is necessarily the, the fortress of college football, but I think Pitt should beat Clemson, which is very weird to say. And in the past, Pitt has been, at times, not saying consistently, but has been, a bogey team of sorts to Clemson. Remember Nathan Peterman passing all over Pitt a few years ago, which that's actually being unironic here. Nathan Peterman actually had a really good game against Clemson, and they won. I think that could happen here because Kenny Pickett is a very good quarterback, and if he goes off against Clemson, be some notoriety there, and he'll, regardless of how good Clemson is, you still beat Clemson. That's very impressive, regardless of how good they are or not. It's name brand. People will want to see it. I think Pitt will win, though. I think Pitt will win. Next one we got on here is Tennessee and Alabama. Alabama's a 25-point favorite coming off a massive, massive win against Mississippi State. Like, annihilate. 40-point game against Mississippi State. It's at 6 o'clock in Tuscaloosa. Bryce Young bounced back after a not insane showing against AM for what the standard was set for him this year. Going into that game against Mississippi State, it was kind of expected that he'd have a great game, and he did. And Tennessee's offense, to be fair... Ever since that weird Missouri game, it has looked really, really good. Really good. They had a lot of points against South Carolina. They did enough to keep up with Ole Miss last week. Will that happen again? I don't know. Ole Miss couldn't really keep up with Alabama. They lost by 21 points. Tennessee is completely... I don't know. I don't really know what to make of Tennessee this year. They're a pretty fun team to watch. Hooker's been a very efficient quarterback this year. But I think... Nick Saban's never lost to Tennessee. Nick Saban, I believe, is 14-0 against Tennessee. So I don't think he'll have any problems here. I think Alabama should beat them by that much. But Tennessee's offense, again, is really good. And again, I'm not saying pick these games. It's just what my gut says. And if they're all wrong, I would not be surprised at this point. Next one, San Diego State Air Force. Air Force is favored in this game. This will be a very run-heavy game. When we talked about against San Jose State, if they can stop or halter the run of San Diego State, 
The Aztecs will struggle. Their pass offense is not very good. Brookshire's not been great this year. Johnson has not been great this year at quarterback for them. I mean, not, it's not really saying Air Force has an insane passing offense either, but they're a lot more efficient running the ball because they're a triple option school, and that's been ingrained in their brains since they walked onto the campus of Air Force that we're going to run the shit out of the football. For defense, though, both are really good against the run, which is shouldn't be surprising. They practice against it all the time, so they should be pretty good against it. Since, or at the Aztecs, San Diego State, I think has the best rush defense in college football, at least top two, and Air Force is up there as well. 61 yards for San Diego State to 91 for Air Force. Both teams run the ball very well. This will be a very, or should be, a very close game. Next one we got on here, UTSA at Louisiana Tech. Know nothing about Louisiana Tech apart from the game that they covered against uh, NC State a few weeks ago, the week after NC State beat Clemson. UTSA has been really good this year. They beat Memphis earlier this year. They beat Illinois. They've beaten powerhouse such as you know, UNLV, but that game was pretty close. UTSA, I, I, again, I don't know a lot about UTSA this year, so I'm not going to talk like I do. But Sincere McCormick is one of the better running backs in college football, one that's not really talked about that much this year. He was second in the nation in rushing yards last year, if I'm not mistaken. He'll be a big factor for UTSA if they win this game this week. I think they should be able to win this game against UT, or against Louisiana Tech. And I think they should be able to cover I believe that's what I, th I think. I mean, Louisiana Tech's defense is giving up 458 yards a game. So I think UTSA should be winning this game and winning it with the spread. Next game, we got USC versus Notre Dame, two of the college football blue bloods. <sighs> Both kind of not very fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, USC passes the ball all over the field. That's all they do. Keaton Slovis and Drake London have a great one-two connection. They pass the ball, 318 yards a game passing. Neither team runs the ball particularly well, but Notre Dame does not pass the ball as well as USC does. Their defenses are both all right, but USC's had some bad, bad losses. Every game they've lost has been by double digits, and the team that they played scored 40. It's not been great against Utah, Oregon State, and Stanford all at home. That's not ideal. But... If you look at their past five games, the two games they did win in their past five were on the road against Washington State and Colorado. But night game at Notre Dame, I I do expect Notre Dame to beat USC and cover beat them more by by a touchdown in this game. Next, we got Ohio State, Indiana. Yeah, Ohio State should win <laughs> and cover. I mean, CJ Stroud's in his form now, which has been really nice to see. It's been very fun to watch. He was very I don't know if you want to call it inconsistent at times at the beginning portion of the season, but he wasn't playing what his what the level of expectations was of him or the level of skill that he has. You saw the game against Oregon, missed a lot of receivers, put up a lot of stats, but didn't really do anything impressive. And then as the season progressed, his numbers have gotten a lot better and the hate has kind of died down, which has been very nice to see. Now we're seeing him getting talked about again in the Heisman ranks, which has also been very nice. Next game, South Carolina, Texas A&M, 19 and a half is the line here for A&M. South Carolina, is not very good. Let's call it like it is. They're not very good. They barely beat Vanderbilt. They barely beat Troy. They barely beat East Carolina. Like they, they're not very good. They're just not. They got killed by Georgia and U.S. in uh, uh, Tennessee. Came close against Kentucky. Came close. Came close against Kentucky. But A&M is, is good. They're good. Zach Calzada has been playing better since that. Al that Alabama game was like a, uh, a kick up the rear. Because he wasn't playing great up until that point. He had more interceptions than touchdowns. But now that was a game that was like, this dude can pretty much, he can play. And they got a really good running back in Isaiah Taylor. Or Isaiah, Isaiah Taylor. Isaiah Spiller. Kevin Harris, though, for South Carolina. He's not having a great stat season. I don't know if he's hurt or something. But he's one of the better running backs in college football. Or at least he was expected to be one of the better running backs in college football this season. He has just oh, under 250 yards rushing this season, which is not great for how good of a running back he actually is. I think A&M should be able to beat South Carolina on Saturday. And then finally, we got NC State at Miami. Miami doesn't have Derek King for the rest of the season. They've lost some pretty rough games recently. They lost to North Carolina. They lost to Virginia. They lost to Michigan State. The Virginia and North Carolina games in particular were very close games and very heartbreaking games for them. NC State has played well recently. They struggled against Louisiana Tech, but came back two weeks later against Boston College and had themselves a very, very nice game. I'm going to take NC State. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Go with the Wolf Pack, I guess, this week. For other big games around college football, 
this week. I don't really know. I was just we're gonna look through these. Go oh, Middle Tennessee, UConn, Middle Tennessee State, UConn. Who? What a matchup we got going on there. That's on Friday. That's not on. Oh, it's on CBS Sports Network. So if you want to watch that, it's five o'clock. If you want to tune in some some real football. Outside of the top twenty-five, also we have got. Keep scrolling down on here. Rice UAB should be a barn burner of a game. Maryland, Minnesota, Miami of Ohio versus Ball State. Ooh, what a matchup. Colorado versus Cal should be fun. Should be a very fun way. BYU versus Washington State. Liberty, North Texas. Watch Malik Willis. He's playing on ESPN Plus at 3 o'clock against North Texas. Liberty's played by 21 and a half. They're favored by 32 last week, so that's not, that's not a great look for Liberty as the rest of the season goes on. Yeah, for, oh, Nevada, Fresno State. That's actually, I was being kind of sarcastic with the other games. That game, Nevada versus Fresno State, is an actual fun one. Jake Hayner versus Carson Strong, the two two of the best quarterbacks in the Mountain West, or the two best quarterbacks in the Mountain West. I know Hank Bachmeyer would probably have something to say about that from Boise State, but these two are really good. These are two very pass-heavy offenses, but I think Nevada can run the ball. Both teams can run the ball decently. Nevada had a very good game against Boise State, where Carson Strong didn't really need to do a whole lot. But this was this will be a very fun game. I'm not being ironic or sarcastic or anything. Six o'clock, FS2, Nevada at Fresno State. Five and one Nevada, five and two Fresno State. The Mountain West is not one of the best conferences in college football. I'm not saying it is, but it's a very competitive conference that has a lot of pretty good teams in it. Nevada, Fresno State, Boise State, just to name a few. There's some good teams this conference. San Diego State's also in there. Like, it's a fun conference. I would very much recommend you tune into that game on Saturday. Uh, Georgia Tech, Virginia, the games that are two very weird teams. That'd be a very fun one to watch. Brandon Armstrong is a pretty exciting quarterback to watch for Virginia. And Utah State, or Utah and Oregon State might be pretty fun as well. So that's all I've got for college football. For the NFL, we're just going to kind of breeze through this because I don't really... Eh. Not a lot of fun games. Right now, the Broncos and the Bear, the Browns, 10-0. Oh, it's almost halftime. The Case Keenum revenge game is going on right now, 10-0. Been great. Very exciting. You notice I did a show during that game because I was so excited for, <laughs> for Thursday Night Football. On Sunday, we got the Washington football team taking on the Packers, Chiefs, Titans, Falcons, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots, Panthers, Giants, Bengals, Ravens, Eagles, Raiders, Lions, Rams, Texans, Cardinals, the Andre Hopkins game and J.J. Watt game, Bears, Bucks, Colts, and Niners on Sunday Night Football, and the Saints and Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Geno Smith versus Jameis Winston. What a quarterback matchup we've got going on in our hands on Monday Night Football. But games I'm excited for in the NFL this week, if we had to choose any, I mean, it's not going to be an amazing, amazing game, but the Jets-Patriots, two rookie quarterbacks battling it out, their second game they played against each other. Zach Wilson didn't play great, to say the least, in the first time they played the Patriots. This one in Gillette Stadium, the Patriots are favored, unsurprisingly. This will be fun just to see the two young quarterbacks battle it out. Panthers-Giants is a weird one as well because the Panthers started off really good on both sides of the ball, and then ever since Christian McCaffrey's been injured, it's been downhill offensively. The Giants, Daniel Jones, looked like a good quarterback for the first four weeks. And then the past two weeks, just sticking on fantasy terms, has gotten four points. I understand he got a concussion against the Dallas Cowboys, but good Lord. Don't know what to make of that guy. Uh, Bengals-Ravens should actually be a lot of fun. The 4-2 and two Bengals, 5-1 and one Ravens should be a lot, a lot of fun. I'm not. I'm very excited for that game. Bucks-Bears, should it could be fun, I guess. I'm assuming it's going to be the late game on CBS because there's no reason this game should be at 325 because both teams are in the Midwest. I'm assuming that's going to be the late game on CBS, isn't it? That's the game I'm forced to watch. I said that ironically. I didn't really care about that game. And at the beginning of the year, Colts-Niners would have been a, a fun game on paper. But now neither team is that great. And the Colts have had a primetime game already this year. They're not that good. <laughs> but I, I'm excited to watch that game. That will I'll be It'll be a pretty fun game to watch. But I think that's all I've got for you today. Oh, before we close it off, though, the Chicago Bulls won their first game of the season. It was the first game, the first time they've been over 500 since 2017. Good Lord, I had to burp and try to talk through it. Since 2017. First time they've won their open opener since 2016. That is depressing. But this team's fun to watch. You got a lot of very fun players. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, 
Lonzo Ball, Patrick Williams, Nikola Vucevic, one of the better centers, one of the more underrated centers in the NFL. Kobe White's hurt, but once he comes back, it'll be a lot more fun to watch them, even even more fun to watch them. Uh, Alex Caruso put a very scrappy effort in against the Detroit Pistons. It was a little tougher than what I, I went in the season expecting with Cade Cunningham not playing for the Pistons. I was kind of expecting the Bulls to walk through it. They didn't, but that's... I mean, it's the first time this starting lineup's played together because Patrick Williams didn't play in the preseason. This is the first time all of them have played together. First game, the ball movement was really good. There's a lot of new faces on this team. Levine and Vooch only played half a season together. Patty Williams got drafted last year. DeRozan and Lonzo Ball are new pieces. Alex Cruz is a new piece. Their bench is pretty much all new pieces. So it's going to take some time, but this team's a very exciting team to watch. Very exciting team to watch, and I can't wait to see how they grow throughout the rest of the season. But that is all I've got for you on this, what is it, Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. If we didn't hear what the quarterbacks that are in the top 10 of the NFL draft for me at this point in time, who they are playing this week, we already talked about Ole Miss playing LSU, Liberty is taking on North Texas, Cincinnati and Navy, uh, Nevada, Fresno State, North Carolina's on a bye, Kenny Pickett and Pitt are playing Clemson, UCLA and DTR are playing Oregon. Tanner McKee and Stanford are on a bye. Arizona State and Jaden Daniels are also on a bye. And then Jake and Jake Hayner from Fresno State is playing Nevada. So those are our games that we've got for you this weekend. I hope you watch them because they should be very, very excited. There's a lot of good games this weekend. Even though Iowa and I and the Bills are not playing this week, I recommend you tune in the UNI game if you have no teams like me that are really playing. And yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you didn't, I can only apologize. Make sure you go and follow me on all forms of social media. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the Facebook page, and of course, follow me on the Logan Blackman Show podcast on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I am sorry, Tom, and I will see you all on Monday, hopefully. I shouldn't promise I'll see you on Monday. I hope I see you on Monday. Peace.